It's called Smash and Grab, the story of the Pink Panthers. Yeah. They... Jillian Pensavale. Patrick Heinz. You guys, before we get to the show, just a reminder, two live shows left this year. Both of them are more than half sold out. Oh my goodness. I know. Toronto in September, we're doing Just for Last Festival. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn in October, we're doing a show with Lance and Maggie and Tim. It's all about Maura Murray. It's yeah. at the Bell House in Brooklyn. It's going to be a little bit of a party. It's for sure going to be a party. Just saying. You guys, Patreon. So we just finished the Disappearance of Madeline McCann. It's sure bonkers. Mm-hmm. We just started American Murder Mystery, the Casey Anthony documentary. <laughs> I know. You guys, you want to talk about bonkers? We don't often get the bell in the intro. Yeah, before the trailer. I know. The episode one of the Casey Anthony documentary, like our episode one in the Patreon feed is one of my favorite we've ever made. Are we just screaming? We scream the whole time. It's super action packed. It's <laughs> hilarious. It's terrifying. It's brutal. It's sad. It's all of the things. You guys, at the $5 level, you get like 90 episodes to binge right away. The Staircase, mm-hmm. the Making a Murderer, Serial. Lorena. Lorena. Disappearance of Madeline McCann. Yes, now we can add one. I know. I can't even remember it all at no. this point. And you get them right away, you guys. At the $10 level, you get these regular episodes ad-free. Yeah. At the $7 level, you get the after party, which is just like us hanging out after recordings. Just talking about some stuff, just hanging out. Sometimes Jessica Greeny comes over and we just talk about it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> get on the pates. I'm stealing pates. Ooh, if you're not going to say ooh. it, and I miss it, I'm calling it the pates. <laughs> Should we get to this thing? Yeah. Let's deal with some diamond thievery. Diamonds. Oh. Diamonds. <laughs> We get this on-screen text in the beginning. It just says, This is the story of the world's most successful diamond thieves told to us in secret interviews with gang members. Gang members! Gang members! (laughs) Some of the words are spoken by actors, some are not. And then it says, The surveillance footage is real. The punctuation is just an abomination. (laughs) Is it? I didn't even notice. My punctuation is terrible. No, they don't put periods at the end of sentences. I'm just like, I know that really bothers you. I have a lot to tell you about these robbers. And there were many. We understood that they were able to do uh, incredible things that nobody done before. You get the saves that are mechanical, numerical, and you get the digital ones. I can crack them all. I became the scout. I recorded where everything is. So if I make an error somewhere, they are doomed. 500 cases. 300 million US dollars. Just a lot of money. The only thing we know that we're coming from uh, former Yugoslavia. You know, the day after the jurors are disappeared. The action was very, very fast. Thing is, there's no panic when you do the job. The panic begins when you run get us from the beginning we see footage (laughs) of a car driving backwards through the glass doors of some fancy pants diamond store then another car is behind it and then so the black car is the car that's going backwards through the the mall smashes through the door 
and there's a white car that's driving in the correct direction yeah. just like following it and we don't know if they are together or not like we no. have no idea what if they weren't together well i thought like why would a car be driving backwards through a mall like i thought it was just being chased by the white car so then someone in like thief clothes yeah. gets out of the car that's going backwards and is holding a gun. Like a machine gun. And then the black car crashes into yet another store and then just drives away. <laughs> so what we're figuring out is that the black car was meant to break the door open. Then the white car uh-huh. just drives in. But the black car like couldn't drive facing forward after the job was done. Like, why the backwards? <laughs> but the thing is, like this is in a mall. The mall is not closed. You see people. It's you terrifying. You see shoppers. It's terrifying. And they're all kind of just like pulling out their camera. This seems just like another day at the mall for them. Right. And then we just get all the footage of the guy breaking all the glass and stealing everything. So yeah, this guy like in the thieving clothes, as you said, he's got like a hammer and he's in a fancy jewelry store and he's just like bing, 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 like breaking out these little glass boxes and like grabbing tennis bracelets. Yeah. And I'm like, how do you even get away with this? It's the most obvious robbery in the world. It's in the middle. It's broad daylight. So we learn from a bunch of voiceover interviews that the Pink Panthers are a gang of thieves from all over the world and it's made up of 200 people. They have like independent cells so maybe you know someone in your country but like you never meet the boss like whatever. Right. Um, (laughs) But a lot of them are from the former Yugoslavia and core members are from like Montenegro and a lot of them are also in Serbia. Yeah. You really summed that up nicely. Thank you. Good job. Thanks. (laughs) So we meet the detectives. We meet Chief Inspector Van Glassy Mm -hmm. from the Crime Brigade. Here we are really in the middle of the old town of Geneva and there you have all the um, all the biggest jewelries with million and million of um, of stuff in the windows Dublin was attacked uh, one or two times by the pinks Graf Graf Geneva the Grisonio Chopard Adler he's just driving us around Geneva and he's just like they ripped off that store and Mm -hmm. that store and that that store ooh that one that one's a bad one And it's sort of like, oh my God, suddenly Geneva is the most dangerous place on earth. Right. But then he's like describing the robbery and he's like. And uh, when they finish the robbery, they jump on the scooter and they leave the, they leave the place. Uh, you say scooter in English? Do you guys say scooter in English? Or like, <laughs> and then I'm like, wait, their getaway car is now a scooter? I know. But we learned that the grand total of the amount of jew- jewels mm. stolen in Geneva, 300 million euros. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot no, more three, than dollars. 300 million US dollars. He oh, says, because he's talking to dumb Americans. He's like, right. so for you guys, because no one can do the math. 300 million and uh, 500 robbery cases. They do this a lot, everybody. This detective, we're in his office right now. Oh, I know exactly what you're going to say. Okay. <laughs> Wait, you Dana. tell the story and I'll sing the song. Dana. Okay, so we're in his office. And he has a stuffed animal, Pink Panther, hanging by a noose. What the fuck? Hello, but like you you see, it's the Pink Panther, and there are colleagues who give me that. And it's a joke between all the teams in Europe working on the Pink Panthers. Leave the cartoon Pink Panther out of it. It is literally a Pink Panther in a noose. And he's like, it's a joke. Everyone around here is so funny. Yeah, he's like, we all hate them so much that we want to kill them, so... I got a gigantic, oversized, stuffed pink panther and hung it with a noose and drew X's on its eyes. And he's trying to say, like... If you take uh, all their crumbs together, they're the best jewelry thieves in the world. They're pretty good at this. <laughs> Gotta he's give like credit super impressed. where credit is due. <laughs> we haven't even caught him yet. And we learned that, like, 
he's heard about, he heard about these guys in two th- in the year 2000 yeah which is crazy and you're like wow 500 robberies and we learn from the, the gang members yeah. that there's it takes like a long time to plan these it things does, like yeah. they're not just like running in willy nilly being like got the tennis bracelet he right. like that's not it at all so I'm like that seems like a lot well I'm gonna say like 500 robberies and you guys haven't caught them yet like one of these groups is really good at their jobs uh-huh. and one of the other ones is maybe not as good right so now we see all this footage of them robbing people at gunpoint and I'm gonna say something here okay <laughs> All the laughter has ceased. Everyone shut up. (laughs) We hear from these thieves Mm -hmm. that what they're doing is really not a big deal because they are taking this pointless, meaningless luxury away from rich people. Uh And they're basically Robin Hoods. And what's the problem? And get off my junk. That's what they're trying to say. (laughs) Why are you so mad at me about this? Why are you so mad at me? We are are just taking something unimportant for rich people, for us, who doesn't have that, you know? What is really happening is that they are taking it for themselves. Yes. It is also going into the black market and like the drug trade in their respective countries. And let's not forget the people who work in these stores or the innocent people at the mall. I know. The trauma that they endure. And also the people working at the mall probably aren't wearing the jewelry. I don't buy this whole like, we're really like doing some good for the earth. No, you're not. No, but I will say, and this is horrible. And look, we talked about this off mic. I agree that all of these people have suffered horrible trauma if you get a gun in your face. Yeah. I could watch these surveillance videos all day long. Only if there's a happy ending. Yeah. Well, nobody ever dies. Nobody ever gets shot. We'll find out later that one of the tenets of the way they do their work is that there are no victims, is uh-huh. what they say. Yeah, when they said that, I was like, oh, God, but they're going to be victims, aren't there? But if you're fearing for your life for a solid three minutes of your morning, you know what I mean? You're a victim. It's terrifying. But every single time, it's always like this lone shopkeeper. It's like first thing in the morning, and they go to like unlock the door to let them in, and they open the door, and like one person walks in. All of a sudden, out comes a gun. Right. They pretend to drop their wallet and the person's like, oh, I'm a nice person. Like, I'll help you get it. And then while the first guy is bent over, a second guy comes with a machine gun. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like everyone's hitting the deck. Yugoslavia. 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 Now we're watching a commercial about how great Yugoslavia is and why we should all visit. I am obsessed with this video for a number of reasons. Number one, this video was made in the 80s. Easily. And we see this white blonde lady with a perm for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like, shoulder pads. Shoulder pads. Like a white blazer. White, bla- white blazer. Yeah. And she's got those like clip-on plastic big diamond earrings. She takes one off when she's on the phone. <laughs> totally, totally. And she, she herself can't believe how amazing Yugoslavia is. Few Americans know little, if anything, about Yugoslavia. One reason is because not many people know where to find it. Actually, it's really quite simple. Just go to Italy and make a right. Don't know where it is? Why, it's simple. Just go to Italy and make a ride. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, is that? Is that but it kind of is that thing of like, I don't know where Yugoslavia is on a map, but it looks beautiful, don't you think? Yes. The beaches look beautiful. It looks like one of those old countries where like the architecture is from 8,000 years ago. It's exactly what it is, actually. I know. We also, you guys, we meet another one of these like do-gooders. We're in Paris and like where, of course, there's been a lot of jewel thieving. And we meet Captain Herve Conan of the Anti-Bandit Brigade. That's what it's actually called. I love it. For the first time, we didn't know that there, there were pink panthers. You know, there's, uh, this name did not exist in this time. Uh, and the first time, we just think it was one robbery or two robberies. That's all. We did not identify the first time the, uh, the importance of the, of the group because they are crossing the borders very fast. After the robbery, very easily, we started to understand that it was a, um, a group. Uh, the only thing we know that they are, we are coming from uh, former Yugoslavia, 
That's all we had at the first time. And then, speaking of do-gooders, yeah. we meet a lady reporter, and I love her. This lady reporter is amazing. Her first name is Milena, so we're uh-huh. going to call her Milena. Um, her last name is, I think, Melitic, M-I-L-E-T-I-C. Melitic. She'll always be Milena to me. Yeah. <laughs> At the moment, I'm looking for pink panthers, like I'm mad. <laughs> I'm working for more than two years on this. At first time, I didn't believe it is possible to find any of them. Why would Annie say, look, I'm Pink Panther, I'm going to help you? So that required a lot of work, a lot of traveling, a lot of phone calls, uh, finding sources uh, on the places you would never believe you can find them. Yeah, we're in her house in Yugoslavia. And she's part of this, like, investigative journalism network. Yeah. And she reads about the Panthers in the paper for the first time in, like, 2004. And she says, It was a surprise. And my first thought, uh, when newspapers published that uh, the perpetrators were three Serbs, I said, fuck this is all we needed. Fuck, that's all we need. And I was like... It's amazing. And you guys, all of these people from here are speaking in English. Like, perfect English. Yeah, they're at least bilingual. We are done. I know. We forget, like, how amazing that is. So these bandits, as we're going to call them, they're bandits. Bandits. They are from her country. And in her opinion, they are making her country look bad. And she's going to find them. Right. But why she wants to find them is not to, like, throw them in the clink, as they say. (laughs) She just wants to learn about them and learn about their practices and what happens. So she is doing this, like, exhausting work, constantly... Constantly traveling, following leads, talking to all these people. Just in an effort to find them. They're very secretive. Right. They're very hard to find. So she's constantly on the road looking for them. And she has to gain trust from these people. Yeah. And she points out that, look, her country's really going through it. We'll get to that in a second. And she's saying, like, she's trying to find them. And she says, and, you know, to their credit, a lot of people say, good on you. You're robbing the bigger criminals. You know, when you do something so extraordinary which uh, attracts the attention of all the world. And many people say, bravo, you robbed the bigger criminals. Well, that can light some fire inside. (laughs) I believe so. We've already put this to bed. We don't agree with that. They're not Robin Hood. They're not like taking this money and giving it to local charities. That poor woman on that surveillance footage is terrified on the floor, like screaming for her life. Like, come on. She's not the bigger criminal here. Give me a break. (laughs) That kid you almost ran over in the mall, not the bigger criminal. Like, enough. (laughs) Sit down. They drove that car through a door. Two cars. I know. One driving backwards. (laughs) Never in my life. So now we start meeting the Panthers. Yeah. Well, and we meet two of them. <laughs> we meet two of the Panthers. This is a very interesting way they do this because remember Tower? Of course. So they do the Tower animation mm-hmm. because this guy does not want to be seen or heard, but he agrees to give an interview. Mm-hmm. So it's my understanding that they do an interview with a person and they get an actor to sort of like replay his lines. Yes. So we're not hearing his voice. We don't see this person. We just see a Tower style cartoon version of him. Right. So this guy sits down. His name is Mike. And he's like, well, you know, Mike is what everybody knows me by. It's not my real name. And I'm like, I get it. You're a badass. I'm exhausted. (laughs) And they have animated Mike like sitting on a beach somewhere. It's very strange. Um, So tell me, who are the Pink Panthers? Well, I don't have a badge that says Pink Panther on it. Uh, We are a network of teams working together. And as soon as I was involved, I became part of the network. You need a brain, knowledge, and experience to do this work. This, is, this means, you know, the jobs that we do 
and the other gangs that do sex, drugs, murder. They rarely cross over, you know. So he explains there are this big network. Everyone has a specific job. There's a very inner circle that they call the family, blah, blah, blah. Um, <laughs> and there's so many. It's kind of like a multi-level marketing scheme. Totally. Where there are just tons of people above you and below you. And like you never really know who's at the top because the boss, the people at the top have to be so careful. Yeah. Lots of people on a need to know basis. My favorite part of this whole conversation is like the interviewer is like, what is it about diamonds? And he's like, girl, I don't really get it. I don't know why people spend money on diamonds. You know, I don't suffer from this showing off. I have a Rolex that is a souvenir. But diamonds? No, they don't attract me. You know, for me, diamonds mean good cash. (laughs) Nothing else. Yeah, he's like, they're good money. Yeah, and it makes sense. We learn, like, later from one of the, like, their smugglers mm-hmm. that, like, when you steal the diamonds, you can, like, put them in your pocket and go through airport security. Right. That's crazy to me. Yeah, remember in Casino? They have Joe Pesci's wife go through airport security with the diamonds in her big beehive. No! It's amazing. And she's at home and she's putting it out. Either it's Goodfellas or Casino. Mike's going to fucking kill me. <laughs> I don't have it right. But she's, like, in the kitchen, on the kitchen table. Just She's like, oh, I got another one. I got another one. And they're just jewels falling out of her beehive hair. It's amazing. And, but it makes sense to me that, like diamonds can be currency that is undetectable and it's easy to transport. Right. Oh. Oh my god, we meet Layla. Not anyone can do this job. You must be born to do it. You must firstly trust in yourself. Because if you are weak, you can't do it. Layla. Okay. <laughs> So there are some women in this Pink Panthers. Mm-hmm. Not that many, though. No. So Mike <laughs> says that the women have to be exceptional. Exceptional. He repeats it. He says it twice. And he says that you can only have one woman in each group. And we have higher requirements for the women. You know, they have the leading roles. They have to do the main job. So they do the scouting. They enter. They record. And they bring the plan. That means... The woman has to be intelligent, she has to be beautiful, and she has to love money. So all throughout this page, the first thing I have is, oh, what a shock. The women have to be twice as good as the men to get the job. And on this page, if you could see how many times I have in big red letters, fuck off, Mike. We can't even have job employment equality. I know. In the jewel thieving business. (laughs) It is enraging. What can we do? Oh, wait. All the goddamn work. And that's the thing. Mike is the first to tell us that the women's essential role. Remember, they're robbing jewelry stores. Mm -hmm. So the women have to go in and be the ones to get the lay of the land, count the cameras, count the people, find out where the fucking safe is. They call it the kitty. And he says they have to do the main job. He considers what the women do the main job, not the actual robbing of the stuff. I know. So we meet... Layla. Layla. Oh my God, Layla. And there's, of course, every time. So it's again the same thing with the cartoon. Uh-huh. And it's probably an actor. It's a zillion percent an actor. Yeah. So saying the lines of like the actual Layla that we met, mm-hmm. this Layla is a goddamn character. Right out of the gate, she's like, everyone always thinks it's the men. But they also need a woman on their team. Everyone always thinks it's the men, men, men. But without women, nothing would be done. Without the women, nothing would get done. I was like, put that on a poster. I know. <laughs> and run for president. Elizabeth Warren 2020. Yes. Without the women, nothing would get done. Yeah. Layla has a lot of things to say about herself. For starters, she was extremely good looking. I was like, was? <laughs> Don't know. sell yourself short. I was extremely good looking. 30 kilos less. I had a long red hair at the time. Although I had frequent transformations. Very frequent. 
She's like, I weighed 30 kilos less. And then I was like, I only understand kilos as a measurement for cocaine. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to be able you to. You don't even it. understand it then. You just no. understand that they measure cocaine in kilos. 100%. But you don't know <laughs> what it means. I had to Google it. It's like 66 pounds. One kilo? No, 30 kilos. Oh. <laughs> she was morbidly obese. <laughs> no, no, no. All right. So she was 66 pounds heavier, mm-hmm. long red hair. But she had very frequent transformations. She's she, Jennifer Garner from Alias. Yes. But Layla had to look like a woman who would spend time in these fancy stores. My favorite part of this is like, she was like, I was wearing the Chanel. I was wearing the Gucci. I don't even know some of the brands I was wearing. Right. <laughs> and and Mike was like, look, she had a driver. Basically, she had to act exactly like Madonna. I was I like, know. whatever that means. I was like, Mike, you're totally dating yourself. Although, if you go to the Patreon right now, <laughs> you will get Madonna Truth or Dare, and you will yeah. see our favorite scene of Madonna walking out of the Chanel store in Paris. Yes. Yeah. Madonna, Madonna. Madonna. I was going to say, oh, so they both have fake accents. hey <laughs> Madonna girl, enough. I know. Enough. You're from Detroit. You're from Michigan. But also Michigan. call us. Let's do an after party. You guys, uh, we got a PSA. We have a PSA for the Jewelers Security Alliance. <laughs> Our host is a guy named Mike Skewers, <laughs> which I love. And he's like, jewelry's expensive. The crooks want it. And I'm like, crooks. <laughs> Every time they said crooks, I just immediately thought of the hamburglar. Yes, <laughs> at a 100%. Jewelry is like a magnet for crime. It's worth a lot, and the crooks want it. But in most stores, most of the jewelry does end up here at closing time. And even though it's not as common as you might think, the safe is still a target. We get him sprinkled in a lot. We do. He's here to tell us right now how the safe is the most important target. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. (laughs) Do we really need Mike Skewers to tell us this? Like, yes, that's what that's what you what you lock at the end of the night. Yeah, that's what the crooks are after. It's so funny because he's just here to tell us that basically working in the jewelry business is dangerous. And you're going to die, girl. You're a danger, girl. I know. Okay, so now we start to get teased. The best job this guy, Mike, the crook, ever pulled was in Spain. Mm-hmm. I have a lot to tell you about these robbers. And there were many. But the best job I did was in Spain. Perfect plan. The jewelry shop was a perfect target. It was a beautiful boutique, you know, very high class. Somewhere in Spain. Dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. We see the Sagrada Familia, which is in Barcelona. So Mm -hmm. I'm assuming it's in Barcelona. He's talking about how there was like this gorgeous, gorgeous jewelry store. But for some reason, they had no access to it. Normally, Layla would just put on like a fancy hat and get her like fancy chauffeur and just go in. They hatched this plan. Mm -hmm. It can only be described as hatching this plan. Yes, yes. There's a souvenir shop next door. Mm -hmm. And Layla has to go basically get a job there? Or as Mike puts it, she has to lure this poor sap who works there. Into a trap. Yeah, so she's got to like basically go work with this guy and like gain his trust so she can have eyes on the jewelry store next door. And do her job and say like when they take breaks, when they close up, like just do all the recon. Yeah. So Layla goes, I didn't go to seduce him, but my very appearance contributed to his joy. I didn't go in there to seduce him, but my very appearance contributed to his joy. (laughs) Layla? (laughs) She really was happy with how she looked. But he ends up hiring her. She doesn't even speak Spanish. I know. I know. That's my favorite part. She gets a job basically, quote, overseeing things. Which is, I mean, she, (laughs) this poor guy. Whatever Layla wants. Oh, whatever Layla wants. Oh, I like it. She just seduces him. And she feels no guilt about it because she says, Well, I don't see why should I feel guilty. It is his problem that he fell in love with me. And that my presence brought him lots of pleasure. I couldn't do anything about that. 
it's his fault he fell in love with me. And I'm like, even though you went in there every single day. Right. Specifically to make him fall in love with the, you. The, he did exactly what you wanted him to do. Yeah, you manipulated him to do the very thing. And then, oh, it's his fault. I didn't do it. I just came in with the, oh, oh, <laughs> I dropped that. What, how you say souvenir? Like, give me a break. See. Hey, Mr. Shopkeeper. Uh, oh, gracias. Just, <laughs> can you help me with the keychain? I'm oh, sorry. I don't the- speak the language, <laughs> but I speak another <laughs> so Layla goes home that has a cigarette she's like fellas we're just breaking through the wall right right I right, right, right. I exactly it. exactly so you guys we're gonna come put a pin in that story we're coming back to it here's where we get a great big history lesson on the history and instability of Yugoslavia not before we get this super fake footage made to look old-timey it's just a bunch of kids on a playground from like the year they oh. filmed this and threw a filter <laughs> on it to make it look old-timey but there's also real old-timey like news footage yeah. from this time yeah but you have to show like here's how mike and layla grew up right so they had like random kids totally with plastic playground stuff and they just put a filter on it i was like what the hell is this it's, so we at this point we get this big history lesson about yugoslavia tito and communist party of yugoslavia declared the Republic of Yugoslavia in 1945. People now remember of that period like uh, the Golden Age. He was a very authoritarian ruler. Uh, He liked his position, but he also had strong sense of what is necessary to do. We're going to go through this really quickly. Honestly, can we talk about this for one second? Yeah. This whole bit came out of the blue for me. I thought we were just watching a documentary about people stealing diamonds. Me too. And look, look, I'm glad to know the history of Yugoslavia. It's valuable information. Sure. It's just not what I thought we were watching. Exactly. It is pertinent because they talk about, you know, when Mike the Crook was growing up, like it was the golden age of Yugoslavia. And one of the things that was so beautiful about Yugoslavia was mm-hmm. that there was 20 different ethnic groups that were living in harmony. Mm-hmm. And when Tito died in 1980... And you guys, this is my very, very basic understanding of what happened. So don't come for me. But the groups were not able to live harmoniously and different factions sort of split off. It's because Milosevic took over and he was actually advocating genocide. Right. That's what's happening. So basically the whole country falls apart and we see these horrible videos. There's no jobs. There's no food. There's no safety. We're seeing bridges blowing up. And like Mm -hmm. there's this one beautiful shot that we've seen before of this like bridge in Yugoslavia. this is heartbreaking. And then all of a sudden there's a bomb and then there's just literally dead bodies. Right. Because Milosevic put all these sanctions. They didn't have water. Right. They didn't have food. Nothing was coming in. Nothing was going out. So what happens? The black market's going to flourish. Right. People are just trying to survive. Right. The first Pink Panther started smuggling, like, clothes. Right. Clothes. And cigarettes. Right. And then as he's listing it, and then he's like, and guns and drugs and weapons. And I'm like, how about some clean water? Right. Can we get some right. clean water? Food, maybe? Like, people pay good money for clean water. It doesn't have to be drugs. Right. Exactly. Like, uh, Robin Hoods. My butt. Right. Ooh, ooh. Also, we have Bandit and Tito's, my two favorite things. <laughs> Boss wine. <laughs> and a little Tito's vodka. Tito's on the rocks with a lime. Come on. So that's what creates the Pink Panthers, right? They're going to other countries and they're robbing to live. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. not good. I'm not excusing their behavior, no. but that's where it comes from. Yeah. So now we're back to Layla. And remember the whole thing in Spain? Remember where like she was working at the souvenir store sure. and keeping an eye on the place the, next door? The what? The, can just, you help uh, me with the t-shirt oh, selection? I just have to bend over and pick oh, this Oh, up. I'm going to get the mugs off that top shelf. Oh. <laughs> yes, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> 
this is where we get the breakdown of like how Layla's what Layla's job was. She would go into a boutique. She would like say that she had lost a bunch of weight, so she had this ring that she needed them to resize. Right, and that would take them some time. While they were doing this, I had plenty of time to assess and check out everything around me. I couldn't see that safe. We call the safe the kitten. I couldn't locate it, but everything else I had to assess. When I would go back home, there was a man who would sketch it all based on my story. He drew it all. So she would get the lay of the store. She would, you know, see where all the different counters were, all the different escape routes. Mm -hmm. And then she would go home and tell one of her male associates who would, like, draw a map from her memory. Right. So she is some sort of, like, genius at this. Yeah, I mean, the memory, and that's why it takes them so long. So she would have to come in from time to time. Like, you can't get all of that information in one visit. Right. So you start with that, and that's why she has to look like a person of means, because she can come in, and they have all this money from all the other diamonds they stole. Yeah. So she could spend a lot of time in there. Exactly. Now we're back to the Spain heist again. Yes. Oh, my God. So what happens is that they decide to rob this store while there's this really massive festival happening in Spain. So we waited for a festival that was about to take place. And we waited a long time. It was some kind of a religious thing, a fiesta, music, dancing, just some kind of noise. That was what we were waiting for. Some kind of noise that they couldn't hear us banging through the walls. It's this, like, genius idea. Like, it's this huge festival that's going to be making tons of noise. There are a zillion people. I mean, the sidewalks are packed to the brim. There are fireworks. Yeah. Everyone is focused on the festival. Wouldn't you think if you owned a jewelry store, like, tonight's the night I'm going to go, like, get my sleeping bag and my Tito's with a little sprig of lime? Chilled. 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 (laughs) And I'm going to spend the night on the floor of my store make sure nobody robs the place. Right. Because you would think, oh, my God, everyone's going to come here. Everyone's going to be hammered or just, like, that mob mentality. Absolutely. Totally. No. So the street festival is going on. They like walk through the parade in their (laughs) bandit guard. We were all dressed up. We had our masks, bodysuits, completely covered up. You couldn't see us at all. And now the action could begin. Remember the hamburger, you guys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing around their eyes. Right. And Mike and like the boys go into the souvenir shop Mm -hmm. because Layla has the key or whatever because she's hoodwinked the guy who owns the place. But what they do is they're in the souvenir store and they basically blast through the wall. Right. They destroy the wall. While the fireworks are happening, nobody notices. No, and they like squeeze through. Now they're in the jewelry store. So this is where we learn. I'm like, see, I want more of this. Like we get like things that only Mike knows because he's done this a hundred times. Totally. And he's so proud of this heist. He loves it. Yeah. It's his favorite. Yeah. It's his favorite thing. <laughs> so he's like... We knew everything that he was in a glass case was alarmed. It's a trick. They always do this. They alarm cheap stuff like a decoy. But the real booty is in a safe. So this was so fascinating like, to me what? that all of the little glass cases, mm-hmm. he's like, those all have alarms on them. Yeah, that's the cheapest stuff in the joint. Yeah. And they make it look like it's the most expensive. So the minute you bang that. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, wait, wait, they don't have like those cool laser alarms. I know. Like, Why is this you... like dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Tom Cruise like weaving his way through those laser lights. Yeah. Like every like home alarm in the country at this point, like you open the door. <laughs> like, like they can trace if there's activity in the house is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you yeah. have a zillion dollars worth of jewelry. Right. And you only alarm the fake decoy stuff. I know. <laughs> so he's like, all right, the real treasure's in the safe. We got to get to the safe. So we go to the safe. We tried to take it out with the pickaxe. We couldn't. We were looking at it and there was, there was no chance. Then we saw the screws were inside the concrete. 
And we had the idea to lift it up with a carjack. Lucky there was one in the van. We got out. We took the safe out of the shop and we put it in the van. This is unbelievable. They try everything. The guy in the getaway car is like, oh, I have this thing that's like a carjack thing. It's yeah. like in case your tire or whatever. And they're like, ah, let's use that. They're just using everything. They're running in and out through the, bah, 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 this big like festival is happening. They're like kicking the safe. Yeah. They eventually are like, all right, our luck is going to run out eventually. We got to get this bitch out of here. They take the safe and put it in the van and drive like deep into the woods they of Spain. <laughs> They drive into the woods. This was amazing, though, because we get Mike again in his interview, and he's saying, like, look, there's three kind of locks. I can open all of them. And he says the way you open a digital lock, you get powder, and you just look at where people's fingerprints are. Oh, God. How fucking smart is that? And then you just, but what about the order? I mean, I'm sure you can do it a couple different times. Seems like a lot of work. I know. <laughs> yeah, I'd, mu- I'd be much better at the, oh, I draw this oh, thing over Can you tell me where you keep the newspapers? Yeah, I'm much better at that. <laughs> yeah, you'd be great at that. You'd be great at that. So then this is another thing about like why, like I never understood why people wanted to be an organized crime because you can't trust anybody ever. Uh-huh. Anyone can turn on you or you could, someone could be like, ah, oh, kill your best friend. Show me it's worth it. <laughs> Right. And you're just like, oh, God. Like, Jillian, can- I'm so sorry. Yeah, like, seriously. It happens all the time. So he's just like, so we're in the middle of the woods. and uh, <laughs> They're in the van, you guys. They got the safe in the van in the middle of the woods and they can't get it open. And they can't get it open. And he's like, and we also can't sleep because uh, there's a risk of someone just dragging the van off. Like, literally like a thief in the night running out of the woods. Because yeah. you can't trust anybody. No, of course not. And so, like, they wait until the next morning where they go. They send somebody to go get another pickaxe. Like, a little flamethrower torch thing. Yeah, they eventually open it. Yeah. That's the moral of the story. We don't know how. It took over an hour to open the safe. When you open a safe and you see it's a full, full safe, that's the feeling. It's like, it's like a feeling you might faint any moment. I love that. And in this safe, there was plenty of stuff. There was really a lot. Here's what they find in there. Do you yeah. want to know what they find? They find some interesting things. Yeah, they sure do. Bags and bags. The reason it was such a good heist, not only is the story great, but the safe was totally full. Uh-huh. It was full. It's So it's at the value of $3 million with just bags of just loose jewels, actual jewelry. It's like the Scrooge McDuck money silo. They're just like doing back the backstroke. One zillion yeah. percent. <laughs> they also found a dildo. Yeah, well, what he says. We found a fake penis. Uh, you say dildo, no? And I, I bet you they didn't declare that to the police. <laughs> How you say dildo? Why is there a dildo in the safe? And Mike makes the best joke in this documentary. He's like, but they didn't declare that one to the police. <laughs> because when, like, in the papers, they're, like, reading about this great job they did. And they're yeah. like, yep, that checks out. Mm, so, something's missing. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what it is. Yeah, no one's going to report that. Why was that in there? I don't know. Why was that in there? Why would you put a dildo in the safe? Someone's cheating on somebody. I know. <laughs> There's some illicit affair happening with you the know, employees. When the store manager got the call that the safe had been stolen with $3 million worth it's of the jewels. the only thing they thought about. <laughs> the only thing he cared about. The I'm assuming only... it's a he. I'm just assuming it's a he. Yeah, it's the only thing that person cared about. 100%. Oh, 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 right. yeah, yes, yes, and the diamonds. Yes, absolutely. $3 million, you say. $3 million and... And anything else. So bags of jewelry and... <laughs> and Theodore? And, and, I mean, they're waking up in a cold sweat, like, today. Oh, Last right. night, being like... Are they ever going to come out and like I know. talk about the dildo? Well, he knew he knew when this documentary was coming out and he was watching it and he heard about the, one of the stories is going to be covered as a heist in Spain. Mm-hmm. He was like, oh, God, no. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Oh, God, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Oh, God. 
but we don't know who it is. So you're okay. But you know what? The other people who worked at the store know. They sure know. The or other, they're all pointing fingers at each other. I was going to say, the one who closed with him that night, he definitely knows. Yeah. Ripping <laughs> friendships apart. This is not a Robin Hood situation. No. Ruining relationships. Uh, we meet Lucky the Courier. Also, every single person in this documentary thinks that their job is the most dangerous and most important. Everyone. Lucky is no different. Yeah. So Lucky speaks only in Bosnian. We actually never see him. They don't even give him the courtesy of a cartoon. No, I think he was like, no, fuck that. <laughs> yeah. He says he's got the most dangerous job because he's got to like get the diamonds from Mike and go and basically sell them. Right. And he says this weird thing because he's the one who's talking about how easy it is to just like walk through airport security with a bunch of diamonds. He's got the diamonds in his pocket. But he says this thing where he's like, in all my 12 years, I've never felt any fear at the border not ever not once not now not ever not then not now not tomorrow not ever and I'm like Lucky calm down he goes on and on about how he's never been scared ever and I'm like you're a big strong man aren't you whatever shut up but then we also learn the breakdown of this stuff is always so fascinating to me because Mike and Layla they mm. only get 33% of what their heist was worth oh. and Lucky only gets 5% I did the math $3 million Lucky gets $150,000 just for taking it across the border yeah but he might die. Mike tells us the reason that Mike and Layla don't do this part of it is because we will do this job ourselves, but it's very risky abroad. Because you make an offer, you give it to the guy, they take it, and it's a setup. And bang, you're killed. No, we stay in Balkans. They've also done a lot of work. I mean, I'm not defending right. them. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> yeah, they can did, you like, just pass it over to somebody else? God, I'm exhausted. Layla did have to pretend to be in love with this, like, probably derpy shopkeeper for right. nine months. <laughs> Mike hasn't slept in three days and has been kicking a safe. In the woods. In the woods. In a van. In a van. I mean, come on. But now we learn that one of the, our detectives from earlier in the documentary says that when they go back to the country, there was a lack of protection. They knew that nobody is going to come to Montenegro or to Serbia to, take, uh, to pick them there, even if you have an arrest warrant, because some of them were involved with a politician and so it was, it was very difficult. So they knew that as soon as I, got, uh, I have made my robbery, I go back to the country, there I'm protected. They're usually protected. Well, mostly it's because none of the cops from Spain or France are going to go there to get them. Right. There's no extradition treaty. Like, the country is a mess. Right. And the politicians are protecting them because you think they're not getting a cut? Give me a break. Exactly. They tell us, you do one of these jobs, you get out of the country, and in two hours you're back home and you're safe. Mm -hmm. You just got $3 million and yeah. no repercussions. Yeah. Also, while everyone's talking about this, I think I zoned out because they're talking about money and there's this truly horrible ringing sound that I think is supposed to be the it's sound of diamonds. Horrible. It was it, killing my ears. Thank you. Yeah. It made me so mad. I was mad enough at this documentary because it didn't make any sense. But I was like, what is no, that? It's I was not with just you. me hating whistling. I had to take my headphones off. It was horrible. It was the worst. Are you going to play it? Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> Look, if we have to go through it, so do you. Right. <laughs> We're sort of full circle at this point, right? Yeah, now we meet Mr. Green, not from Clue. No, that was mine too. I know. That was my first guess. But he is the final link, apparently. Yeah. So America asked the UN to prevent diamond smuggling. Because it's a humanitarian fucking crisis. There, yeah, that, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. And so Mr. Green is telling us, like, oh, that's no problem. They will bring diamonds to me. And my team will process it. Forging diamond certificates and inputting real information that come from Sierra Leone that was mined in this and that place. 
and it has certificate origin. Because under this thing that the UN did, you needed to have a certificate and prove the origin of the diamond. Right. And Mr. Green's like, no problem. I'll fake and it. He also tells us, you guys, get ready for this. Get ready to feel a little culpable, America. Oh this guy, this guy who is like smuggling diamonds that is like perpetuating wars and just like horrible human rights violations. Mm -hmm. His number one client is America. Our biggest clients are Americans. I will say, although I've never been to America, my diamonds are on the hands of their brides. Those brides are all wearing my diamonds. Not all of us. <laughs> I certainly didn't wear a diamond on my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> he even says, like, the diamonds are cut, reshaped, they get smaller. Yeah. And he goes, they're clean every sense of the word. He's diamond laundering. He's garbage. Can we get a ding for yeah, him? Yeah, they suck. Okay, remember how the doc started with the cars driving through the wall and the stores? So this is in Dubai. So we're back in Dubai where the car drove backwards through and then the white car came uh -huh. through and all the people are like just shopping like what the fuck is happening? Right. So this is April 15, 2007. Not really that long ago, you guys. Right. So we meet this reporter, Awad Mustafa. I love him. I kind of love him too. And his role here, he gives us the aftermath. So in the beginning, we saw the cars smash through and the guys like steal all the diamonds mm -hmm. and then we didn't get any of the rest of the story. So he's here to give us the rest of the story. Right. And uh, I got a call from a friend of mine who informs me that there's a big robbery going on at Wafi. I immediately uh, headed out to uh, Wafi and I just saw police cordoning off the area around it. So the place is a mess, essentially. They like drive off. Right. <laughs> and it's kind of all hands on deck. Like every official or someone in Dubai law enforcement, like everyone just like runs to the mall to try to get to the bottom of this. Yeah. And there's this quote from one of the officials who's just like, girl, I got to level with you. Yeah. <laughs> out comes the door, the Dubai police chief. The first words that have come out of his mouth that night was, these were definitely not Arabs. This was too well organized. Too well organized. Okay, well, okay. listen, it's good to know what you're good at. It's good to know what you're not good at. Everyone is saying that you got to give these guys credit where credit's due. I know. Everybody. <laughs> Except, here's what happened. So, they are starting to retrace their route because, like I said, all hands on deck. And Mustafa tells us that, like, if you drive out of the store in the mall, drive down the hallway of the mall, and then drive out of the door of the mall, you're on a road with no stoplights, and you're on the highway out of town in, like, 18 minutes. Yeah, but there's one road, so there's, like, one way to go. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, the next morning, they find both cars. Right. <laughs> abandoned and torched. But one of the cars... <laughs> Didn't have enough oxygen for the fire. So what they did was like one of the guys torched his own car and the guy with the white car did all the stuff with all the gasoline and threw the lit match into the car and then closed and the then door. slammed the door. With like all the windows up. So the fire didn't have any oxygen. It couldn't like catch fire. They got so much evidence from that car <laughs> and the photos of it, the damage was like, oh, it fell off a desk. Like <laughs> they are perfectly intact. It's not easy for anyone to do any crime and not to leave and evidence. They left evidence that helped us because this is forensics. And that's the beauty of DNA. They get DNA evidence. Right. So now they just start tracking them all down. And it's funny. All of a sudden we're seeing pictures of all the people that they found. From all these different places around the world. Yeah. Yeah. The one woman involved was back in Serbia. They couldn't get her. They're like, someday. She's being protected in Serbia. Yeah. That's crazy. I know. I know. So now we learned that since 2007, about 50 Panthers 
have been arrested across Europe. Yeah, and like things are better in the former Yugoslavia now. Like they're actually doing like extradition treaties because they want to join the European Union. Mm -hmm. And Mike tells us like uh, it's not like the good old days when you could just like go to France and like rip off nine million dollars and then run home to the former Yugoslavia and be protected. He's like they want to enter into the world now. So now nowhere is safe. But Mike is also like I just want to feel safe and secure, you know. It would be very nice, you know, to feel secure, to be in your home, safe. And this is the consequence of this job. Paranoia. You see, now, I walk down the street and my head goes like, like a rearview mirror, you know. Am I being followed? Does anybody see me? Anybody follow me? Oh, the habit lingers. Yeah, he tells us this whole story about how, like, he spends his life walking down the street looking over his shoulder. And I was like, girl, you want us to feel bad for you? Yeah. Look, I get it. Like, you did what you had to do, but like, you did a little more than you had to do. Right. I mean, I understand that you didn't have a whole lot of options. That is not lost on me. Uh-huh. I totally get that. Yeah, but take your Valium and take a nap because right. I, I don't really... <laughs> And then, you know, our favorite reporter, the one that made the awesome yes, coffee. Yes, yes, yes. She's kind of like, look, it's on hold for now, but like we don't know that the pink the, the pink panthers are over. Look, I must warn you something. You cannot say the pink panthers era is over because you don't know what is what will happen next. It is maybe just the end of our generation. But what is going on with the additives from other countries that want to do the same? Maybe we are just witnessing the developing. She's like, things could get unstable again. Maybe it'll be a second generation. The internet is a big thing. Yeah, don't feel too safe, you guys. Oh, great. (laughs) The last thing we wanted for you to do is sleep well at night, you guys. We're a true crime podcast. (laughs) Nighty night. did it girl we did it you guys breaking news we're just gonna jump to this real quick what our hundredth episode is coming up oh yeah we made this it's not next week i'm just saying this because i'm excited uh-huh. we made this decision that for our 100th episode we are gonna redo our first episode yeah so you guys we're gonna redo the imposter i'm not gonna um, listen to our episode i'm not gonna listen to our episode i'm gonna start my notes anew yes i'm gonna go in kind of cold as cold as i possibly uh-huh. can i haven't watched it since we covered it no me either i haven't listened to our episode since it came out. Nope. And those notes probably don't exist anymore. I'll tell you what I want to do. After we make our new episode and put it out, I want to re-listen to our first episode and then do an after party about it. Oh, God. (laughs) All right, let's do it. Um, You guys, don't forget, we've got two more live shows coming up this year. Toronto in September and Brooklyn in October with Mm -hmm. Maggie and Tim and Lance. And we're going to talk about more Murray. It's going to be a crazy Halloween-y October party. Yes. Get your tickets. They're both more than half sold out. Yeah, hurry up. Patreon, girl. The Pates. Just a reminder. I love that you say it now. There's like over 90 full bonus episodes to get right now. It's our episode by episode coverage of Lorena, Making mm-hmm. a Murderer, The Disappearance of Madeline McCann. The Jinx. The Staircase, Serial Season 1. Right. You guys, it is really so much stuff. Yeah. And then like depending on the tiers, you get ad-free episodes. You get ringtones. The after party. The after party. There's a lot happening. There's so much. It's patreon.com slash truecrimeobsessed. Go check it out. Go There's so out. much there. Make, make your own decision. Do you. Yeah. Do what's right for you. We have a lot. Of, we give you a lot of options. It's we love true. options we, here at TCO. Right. Girl, what are we doing next? We are doing the two killings of Sam Cooke on Netflix. You guys, this has been one of our most requested documentaries. Yes. I'm really, really looking forward to like seeing this documentary. I've yeah. not seen it. I'm kind of fascinated by it. So yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, girl, where can they find us? At True Crime Obsess on Twitter, True Crime Obsessed Podcast on Instagram, TrueCrimeObsessed.com for everything. Everything merch codes. 
episodes. Yeah, see us live, all that. The whole thing. Um, They can find you at Jillian with a G on all the things. How long did it take you to get that one? <laughs> I just was practicing it in my head. I saw I saw, I saw your <laughs> eyes. And you can find Patrick at Patrick Hines on the Twitter and Patrick Hines underscore on the Instagram. We did it. We did it. You guys stay tuned for the trailer for the two killings of Sam Cooke, our hilarious outtakes, TM, 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 our TM. palate cleanser, which we have some ideas, but we'll get there when we get there. Mm-hmm. We love you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Sam is the father of modern soul music. He broke through a lot of color barriers and wasn't afraid to be the first. He was a racial hero as much as he was a musical hero. Record companies really wanted him to be an entertainer and nothing more. And that was never going to be enough for Sam Cooke. And now, ladies and gentlemen, Sam Cooke. He was a complicated black man in a complicated world. Sam was taking a big risk by saying, I don't want to play in a segregated space. Clan members on there had a problem with that. Suddenly there are threats suggest you should not go up on that stage. He was threatening. There was a sense in the music industry that Sam was getting too powerful. Who would want to shoot Sam Cooke? There are a lot of people who believe that there was some sort of cover-up. People deeply felt that the FBI was somehow involved. When I found out Sam Cooke, Muhammad Ali, and Malcolm X were all connected, I said, what a huge threat to America. Looking at these men, Sam Cooke might be the most dangerous to you because he's already in white American living rooms. This very mysterious death, what happened and why was he there and who was this woman and all those become bigger questions than what was he on the edge of achieving. She is, she's (laughs) Ivy from Smash. She's Ivy as Marilyn. (laughs) I dropped that. How you say souvenir? Also, like Dubai, I would actually, it's one of the places in the world I would absolutely love to go to. Gorgeous. Have you been? No. Oh, (laughs) I was like, wait, what? Gook. (laughs) Like, you don't like flying to Chicago, but you've been to Dubai? Can you imagine? I know. Now I'm torn between whatever Lola wants and the good old days from (laughs) Damn Yankees. I love that song. Your knowledge of like classic musical theater is really good. Okay. I'm really into it. What can I say? This documentary wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Oh, no, no, no. It was, it was three and one. Usually I like that. Right. We were promised a whole bunch of like cars driving through Tiffany's store windows. I was promised Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. I was promised Ocean's Eleven. Twelve. Yeah. We got something else. <laughs> we got a lot of things where it was very disjointed. I don't know. I don't and we know. got a history lesson, which come on. I was here for the high sting. <laughs> Seriously. And the diamonds. <laughs> the diamonds. Yeah, diamonds. <laughs> On the hand may be quite continental, but diamonds are a girl's best friend. A kiss may be grand, but it won't pay the rental on your humble flat or help you at the automat. Time rolls on and youth is gone and you can't straighten up when you bend. But stiff back or stiff knees, you stand straight at Tiffany's. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. There may come a time when a lass needs a lawyer, but diamonds are a girl's best friend. There may come a time when a hard-boiled employer thinks you're awful nice. 
but get that ice or else no dice. He's your guy when stocks go high, but beware when they start to descend. It's then that those louses go back to their spouses. 